This episode of the Crown Refs Podcast is sponsored by RefereeStore.com. At RefereeStore.com, we know that being a referee is not just a job, it's a lifestyle. And that's why we make it easy for you to find the right referee shirts, pants, and accessories for your games. Looking to stand out? We carry referee-designed products you cannot find anywhere else. We carry gear for football, soccer, hockey, baseball, and basketball referees designed to meet all required standards. This month, RefereeStore.com is offering a 15% discount for all listeners of the Crown Refs podcast. Just enter coupon code CROWN15 at checkout, then click apply to get your 15% off your next order. So if you're buying gear for this season, I don't know what your situation is, but definitely take advantage of that Crown Refs discount. RefereeStore.com and Crown Refs, serving the game. Hi, this is Crystal Hogan, NCAA Men's Division I official from Compton, California. Thanks for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. Serve the game. I'd like to welcome our next guest to the Crown Refs Podcast, a loving mother of one daughter from Compton, California. She is an 18-year basketball official. Who broke into Division One on the women's side in 2009? She would go on to work another nine seasons there, while simultaneously officiating in the G League from 2012 to 2015. Then in 2018, she made history by becoming the only female official to work Division One men's college basketball. So happy to spend some time with you today, ladies and gentlemen, and I'd like to welcome Crystal Hogan to the podcast. How are you, Crystal? Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing well. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Um, just a quick backstory. You know, in 2018, when I first saw your, your story, um, I was scrolling through Facebook at the time. And just the fact that you were the only female official working on the men's side. And I just got to remember, I just got to say, you know, remembering that feeling I had, it was just genuinely, I was super happy for you. I didn't know you at the time, but I was like, I was proud, and I just think it was a really good moment um, in officiating. I think it was a really proud moment in officiating in general, and I can only imagine how hard you worked to get there. Um, so I wanted to hear, you know, all about the events leading up to that, but I wanted to tell you in person or over Zoom, congratulations on that. Account. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm still, again, this is, it's been, it's been a great ride. It's, it's been an it's been amazing. I'll just say that it's been amazing. But yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I definitely want to hear more about that crossover moment in your career. But let's just backtrack a little bit. Uh, um, you know, I love hearing about the insight. Uh, excuse me. I love hearing about the highlights and you know your career milestones. But we as officials and lifelong learners, um, we find a lot of value in hearing about your process and the steps mm-hmm. that you took, you know, to reach those goals. So just talk uh-huh. to us about your history with officiating how you got your start, take us through high school ranks up to Division One women's and, and the G League before you made that uh, that switch. Okay, so, I mean, first of all, I mean, I, I, I played at Long Beach State. Um, I, played ba- I played basketball at Long Beach State for three years. And um, I met, at Long Beach State, I met Kevin Cutler, who um, is an NBA referee now. But uh, he was actually an assistant coach at Long Beach State, and I met him. Um, so we remained friends, but after I graduated, um, I had a baby, had my daughter, Taylor, and, um, I I was still looking for a way to stay involved in the game. And he's like, you know, have you ever thought about refereeing? 
And honestly, playing at playing at Compton and playing at Long Beach State, I honestly never even paid attention to the referees. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I never paid attention to the referees. So that means you just played and you didn't complain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So, um, so once he presented that to me, I was like, okay, well, yeah, sure. How do I do it? And um, that's what led me to the Long Beach unit. I started in, in Long Beach, California, um, in the Long Beach uh, unit. And from there, um, I had my daughter. So it was she was very young. She was one. My daughter was one years old when I first started. So, you know, having a young kid, being a single mother, because I was a single mother, it was tough. Um, it was tough to, to do both. So I took a year off. Um, and then when I came back, I actually started to take it a little bit more seriously. Um, and I started going to camps and I went to, you know, Rich Collins camp. I went to Hicks and Harvey's camp. I went to all the, the, the local camps here and I started to really, really like it. So, um, ended up getting hired, um, by Rich Colin doing JC, um, as well as John Danglis and did that route. I got hired division three. And I, I'll tell this story, and I don't think I've told this story before. Working in Division Three, still working high school, but working in Division Three college women's, um, I worked with uh, a young. Uh, I worked with um, my partner. Her name was Liz, and we had a game. And I actually thought, honestly, I thought I did a phenomenal job in the game. Again, I'm still doing high school and ref this game, and I thought I did great. I walked off the court feeling really good. Didn't really know college mechanics or you know but I just thought I did good um and she this had to be the most humbling experience because when we got in the locker room she said uh Crystal she was like um if you ever ref like that again you won't be repping college basketball much longer wow and I have to tell you it was I was like oh my gosh and I you know she explained to me but it was out I, I to this I really really appreciate her telling me the way that she told me because it it, it, it woke me up I guess because after that um I, I started taking it a little bit more seriously getting in the books and um I got hired by Violet Palmer and doing division one in the WCC which was oh my god that was probably one of the best experiences I was like she gave me a shot you know I was still doing high school and lower level um, junior college so I did that and um, sorry to stop did, you so, so you made the jump from junior college and d3 to d1 mm -hmm. you skipped d2 yeah I didn't get nice. I, well well <laughs> <laughs> I went to camps and I, I actually got hired um, in d2 the second year of doing division one so I got hired in 2009 by Violet doing division one and then I got hired in the cc2a and the big west um, the in 2010 so yes, I did. Um, I also started refing in the Drew League, and I'm sure you guys all know about the Drew League. But um, I actually I didn't start refing in the Drew League. I started watching the Drew League because I literally sat and watched the Drew League for two years before I jumped out. Um, a lot of veteran officials. <laughs> a little nerve wracking, right? Yeah. I, well, you know what though? It, it was, it was, it was, the truly was scary when I first started out and um, just watching it, it was so high paced and just, you know, you would see like Kevin Cutler and, and Michael Houston and all the veteran officials out there. And, and 
I'd be like, you know what? I'm just not ready for that yet because I was only doing high school and, you know, high school girls and JV at that. I wasn't really even doing varsity. So it was, it was a transition. So I sat and watched the Drew League for about two years. Um, and so I started, and then the third year I got, kicked on the court they're like you know what it's time it's time so but yeah so from there you know I did fairly well and got hired in the it was the D League at the time but um the NBA G League with George Tolliver and I and I say this every time it, it had to be probably the it was the best training that I've ever had it, it took me to a different level of thinking um and again I it, it was the best training that I had ever had. Um, then from the G League, I, I'm kind of skipping around, but from the G League, I, I ref the G League up until 2015. But there were some some life altering changes that happened um, in that during that time frame, um, where my focus, you know, you, it comes at self accountability. Um, I was laid off from work, from being a parole aide from law enforcement. I was laid off and then rehired and then relocated and you know had a lot of things going on child custody issues it, it, it was just really bad so you know my focus wasn't really there and so the d-league um ended up getting fired in 2015 from the d-league and it and it was it was eye-opening but it was again self-accountability my focus wasn't there my focus was on my child yeah. and you know my career so and it was probably the best experience uh, officiating officiating training that I've had ever um, in those three years. So um, my experience kind of goes goes way back about eighteen years of of officiating, but it's been well worth it, and it's it's been a ride. It's definitely been good. Talk to me about um, working the G League and Division One simultaneously. You know, back back and forth. You may be uh, working a, at Grand Rapids on Monday. And then at you know, UCLA on Tuesday, how was that transition from you from game to game as far as travel, rules, all that? You know what? Um, it, it was definitely, it was tough. But if you really want to do something, you make it happen. So, you know, it, it was a lot of self-talk, a lot of self-talk for the rules because there are different rules. But women's basketball is a little bit closer to right. NBA basketball. So it wasn't as hard. It wasn't, it wasn't that hard. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it became a – the travel became an issue for me because, I, because you know, my relocation when I got laid off from work and relocated to Northern California, travel became an issue with the G League. So – but – Overall, it wasn't that bad. It was actually reinforcing things that I was learning in the G League, going back and using them in my college games and trying to see what worked and what didn't, um, and just constantly just trying to get better. And it, it, it worked out for me. So when did you first think about switching over to the men's side? Talk to me about how that opportunity formed for you. Honestly, um, I... I <laughs> Honestly, it was not, it, it wasn't a matter of whether Crystal wanted to go on the, the men's side. The opportunity was presented, and fortunately enough, I was ready for it. Um, I didn't think in a million years that I'd be refing men's college because that wasn't, I mean, there were no women doing it. So it didn't even cross my mind, honestly. It didn't even cross my mind. Um, I thought, you know, Drew League would be my fix for men's basketball because I'll probably be doing Drew League until I'm 90 years old, <laughs> but... 
um yeah it never crossed my mind it was just you know an opportunity that presented itself and like i said you, you when you're refereeing i referee like somebody's watching you all the time because they are and apparently someone saw me i'm refing at the drew league and my name came up and the rest is pretty much history it's funny for all new hires in 2018 when you broke into the men's side there's probably no one that had your resume. You know, if, if you look back at your experience with 11 years or, or nine years of, of Division One on the women's side, Drew League reps, which are different, and then the G League, it's like you had the perfect resume to make that switch. You know, um, yes, um, I, I, I agree. But, you know, it also comes with, you know, I, basketball, officiating is, is a – you need a, a realm of things. And yes, I, I do have the officiating experience on the court, but when you have gone through the things that I've gone through I, that, have, that have, I believe, made me so much stronger, it, that helped tremendously as well. I'm sure. So, so. take me through that, uh, that first game, um, working on the Division One men's side. You know what? Um, <laughs> and I'm getting chills just thinking about it, but... I love it. Um, if I were to sit here and tell you that I wasn't nervous, I'd be lying. I was so nervous because I knew I knew everybody was watching, obviously. Um, but you know what? I a lot of self-talk and my partners that I was with, they were so they were amazing. Like they they didn't treat me any different, but they they you know, it was basically you're out here for a reason. So let's just go ahead and and, and handle this game. And once once I went out on the floor and once he's like, you know what? You toss. Once I threw the ball up, everything else went out the window. It, it, my training kicked in and it was, it, it went very well. It went very well. I don't even think I, I breathed through the whole season. I was so just so excited about even being a part of it, but I was more excited at the fact that, um, I was there, you know, and I was chosen to do it. And it was just, how can I put it? Because I'm getting emotional even thinking about it. It, it. I love men's basketball. I love to officiate men's basketball. Um, growing up, I I didn't really play sports as a kid, but growing up in the, in the streets of Compton and just playing outside, I always played with the guys. So I don't know if it was the natural progression for me just to just really just click to men's basketball or you know working with, but it was it my whole season was mainly just me just being a sponge like I, and I'm still that way sure. just being a sponge and and Bobby put me with so many good people like all like my coaches my whole all my crews were just really really good and I and I took notes every single time in the locker room I took notes I just I was just a sponge and I just wanted to learn everything that I possibly could um, while out there. I knew I was going to make mistakes. They knew I was going to make mistakes. Um, but all in all, everybody was super supportive. Um, and it, it, it worked out. I mean, I, I, I'm, still a, I'm still a sponge. I'm still learning. Um, but it's been, it, it's, it's, it's been really good. The first year, I, I mostly was just trying not to make mistakes i was just trying to just to you know do what i needed to do to stay out there no i love it i love hearing it another amazing part of the story when i first heard it was the the fact it raised awareness in my mind that there were no 
female officials working division one, the men's side, I'd never, I'd never thought of it. Obviously we know there's women in the, in the G league, there's women in WNBA, there's women in the NBA, but I had never made that switch to NCAA men's. I would love to see more women getting involved. Are you still the only one? You know what, honestly, I think that was the thought for for a lot of people that, you know, because you don't think about it. You just, I mean, because really people are not out there watching the referees. They're watching the game most likely. But, you know, I think a lot of people thought, well, wow, wait, wait a minute. There, there are no females, but there are them. But, you know, as, as, as of right now, and I'm not, I honestly don't know. Um, I'm sure there'll be more. I'm hoping that there'll be more. Um, but as of right now, honestly, I don't know. I mean, with COVID, COVID is, is, is been, you know, has, has put a monkey wrench in a lot of things. So I, I honestly, I don't know if there are any other women. I hope so. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure. I don't know. You had mentioned one of the aspects of officiating that you're really passionate about, which is game management. And I know you've had your fair share of reps working the different levels that you have. What are some of the biggest things you've learned about game management that you've been able to go apply and have success? You know what? Um, game management, I, the Drew League really, really taught me the true meaning of game management. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And I say that, and I, and I say that with all sincerity, because if you don't have, if you don't have the tools or the skills to communicate um, out there, it, 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 you're gonna get. It, it's not gonna help you. So, so for me, um, I don't. I don't necessarily. I, I think I look at a lot of officials, and a lot of officials, you know, they want to be validated for you know the play calling. And yes, you need to get your plays right. That is absolutely correct. But um, when the game starts to hit the fan, are you gonna be able to deal with that? Are you gonna be able to know the ins and outs, how this started, where this, you know, who was your disruptors and I think that's extremely, extremely important. Um, communication is key, um, and I and I, I I pride myself on trying to communicate because down at the Drew League, technical fouls mean nothing to them. They don't mean it. It means absolutely nothing. Right. So you have to figure out a way to communicate with uh, the coaches, the players, the fans, your partners. You know what I mean? And you have to be effective. So, I mean, I've had my bumps and bruises. Don't get me wrong. I've had, I've had my bumps and bruises. But in a game, I'm always going to know who my disruptors are in a game. I'm always going to know the tone of the game, the temperature of the game. You always want to know, like, okay, what, what's going on? You know, you see these two over here kind of jawing a little bit. Are you going to address it? Are you going to let it ride and see? You know, a lot of these, a lot, a lot of times we, we forget that part of the game and we just think we have to get our, you know, Make sure you call fouls and violations. But the, the knowing the temperature of a game and knowing who your disruptors are and knowing how to de-escalate a coach or, you know, tell, telling a player or a coach, you know what, I missed that call. My bad, you know, I, I, I wasn't in the right position. I missed that call. I don't have a problem doing that. And I think that if you learn if you learn to, to humble yourself and, you know, we're not always right. We're not perfect. But – if you learn to humble yourself, your relationship with coaches, your relationship with players and, and your peers get a lot better, get a lot better. And you get a lot better. So game management, it, to me, is the most crucial part in, it's, in the game. It's the most crucial part. It's, it's the most important to me. Yeah. 
it's funny we work in so many so many hot environments mm -hmm. like you said de-escalation the skill of de-escalation is an incredible skill that is really required Absolutely. for us officials being able to Absolutely. lower the volume on something or reduce the heat in that moment Absolutely. And I, and I think, and someone brought it to my attention, and, I, and I, I don't know if it's because I'm in law enforcement and that's kind of what we do quite like every day, but it helps, <laughs> whatever helps. But, yeah. you know, you, you have to be able to deescalate a situation and you have to be able to communicate effectively um, with everybody, with all entities involved. Um, that's the only way I think you can be successful. How has working in law enforcement helped you in this category? You know, it, it's a great deal because I, I mean, I, I, I you know what, it, it's not even just, I grew up in Compton, you know what I mean? So it's, it's I've seen a lot. Yeah. And so you learn how to communicate with people. You learn how to, you learn how to talk to people. You learn respect, you know, and if you want to get, if you want respect, you have to give respect. And that goes both ways. That goes with law enforcement, that goes with, with being on the floor. Um, there is no, you know, yes, I'm an official, but that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, that I'm going to tell you I'm doing this and that, it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. you, you, you have to learn how to communicate. You have to meet, you have to meet people halfway. I know a lot of officials struggle with communication. What helped you become an effective communicator? I mean, influences in your life, reading books, taking classes, you know, what helped you uh, get to that next level? You know what? Um, I, re reading books, yes, verbal judo is a good one. Um, but you know, working with veteran officials um, at the Drew League, because I the Drew League has been probably my that is my training ground. Yeah. But working at the Drew League, um, getting yelled at, getting cursed at, getting yeah. <laughs> you know, all of the above happens. It yeah. happened, and just taking a minute to to actually process it you know what i mean not just going down the referee games to get paid and no when we go down there to work at drew we get feedback from everybody we get feedback from our partners we get feedback from the coaches we get feedback from the players they'll tell you in a minute crystal you, you screwed up that play or crystal you know what why'd you call that you know what i mean that and you have to step back and humble yourself and actually take the time to think about it and say you know what you're absolutely right or you know what this is what I saw. So just communicating with them, having an open dialogue with the players there at the Drew, the coaches at the Drew, and the veterans and all the other officials that work, that we all work together in LA Pro-Am at the Drew, that's helped a great deal. Yeah. That that helped a great deal. Not to mention, I have a 19-year-old daughter right now. <laughs> so a 19-year-old girl. So of course, the, the, the communication is, it can, you know. <laughs> I'll be there in 16 years, so I'll let you know. How oh, yeah, so you, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, but no, just, just I got a lot of practice. I got a lot of practice. So with, between work, you know, with the communication I have to do with their work, with them, my daughter, and truly, and now, you know, men's college basketball, it's, it's <laughs> I've got a lot of practice. And I really, I enjoy it. That's the thing. I don't know what, I, it's just some crazy thing that I got going on, but I really like it a lot. <laughs> Well, you got to enjoy it if you're going to be good at it. So that, that helps. Um, mm -hmm. Now you said you, you sat on the sidelines and watched and prepared for the Drew League for two years. How long did it take mm -hmm. once you started to feel comfortable to feel like 
you were accepted. Like, I, all right, I got this. You know what? I, I don't, I, I can't give you an exact time, but it took, it took some years. Okay. It took some years for me to feel that way. And I think it, it when, when the players and the coaches started to respect me and, you know, communicate with me effectively, like, or trust me, I just say that when the players and the coaches began to trust me in my decision making, um, I think that's when I started to feel like, oh, okay, I'm finally starting to get it. And keep in mind, these are not just regular, you know, these are not just regular guys. These are these are guys that play high level basketball, you know, whether they're college players, whether they played high, higher level high school, higher level college, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to referee several NBA, you know, high, higher level NBA players. Um, and when you have them start to respect and, and kind of trust you after coming, you know, that, that, that says a lot and yeah. it, it made me a little bit more comfortable. You got, so, the, you got the respect from the top and then it just trickles down. Yeah. Yeah. But you got, I mean, it, it, it didn't come easy. I no. mean, it didn't come easy. No, it didn't come easy at all. You, you know, I paid my dues. You know what I mean? I, 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 I took the bumps and I took the bruises and I'm still taking bumps and bruises at times because nobody's perfect, mm -hmm. but it, 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 you, you have to go through that process. There's no skipping. You have to go through a process. So I know I've been following you on Instagram. I know you have some great pictures of uh, some Drew League moments. Is there any player stories that you could share? I would love to possibly maybe hear a Kobe story. Or you know what? Um, Kobe Bryant, I, I am a Kobe fan. Um, I, 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 I was a diehard Kobe fan. Um, and Kobe Bryant, um, he... he <laughs> He came to the Drew, and I'm gonna try not to get emotional because this normally I'm I'm not one that that gets fan struck at all. I don't that doesn't. But Kobe Bryant was different. I wasn't fan struck, and yes, I got to officiate the game that he came to Washington Park and, and blessed us there. But just seeing the look on the kids' faces and even adults seeing the look on everybody's face when he walked in that gym. Um, it was it was an experience that I will never forget. I mean, I the, the, his interaction with the crowd, like he wasn't. He, it was like this was his house. He he took that as that's this is his house, and he interacted with the crowd. He talked mess. He and he played hard. I mean, he played against James Harden. You had James Harden, him and James Harden going at it. You had Demar Derozan. You have you have all these these different you have all these different entities, and he's. He, when it came to be what third thing was like third period, they were like, okay, Kobe, it's time for you to go. You know, because one, we're in LA, and and they're like, uh, it's time for you to go. We got security. We got to get you out. And he's like, no, it's a tie ball game. I think it was a tie ball game where they were close. And he was like, uh, uh, I'm not leaving. And it turned out to be one of the most. Um, it, it, it turned out to be one of the most amazing experiences for him to hit the game-winning shot. Um, it, 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 it that was probably the best experience that I've had um, refing. And again, mind you, you know I've, I've I've had Chris Paul, I've had Blake Griffin, I've had DeAndre Jordan, the whole Clipper. You know that's I guess right, that's right. why. <laughs> Lob City. But you know, yeah, but you know it, him coming in the gym. I mean, I think LeBron came in a few weeks, maybe a month 
before he did. Uh, and I ref that game as well. And LeBron is just, he, he, he was a beast as well. It was, it was, it was just different. It was just different. Yeah. So, yes, that's my Kobe story. <laughs> I love it. I just want to take a moment to read off some of the officials that you listed as mentors and people who are influential in your journey in no particular order. Um, as you mentioned, Kevin Cutler, your whole pro-am fam, Dino Smiley, Anita Ortega, Vern Harris, Andrea Osborne. Um, just wanted to just wanted to recognize those those mentors that were influential in your in your. And family. my daughter Taylor Thomas. She will kill me if I don't mention her. But my daughter. <laughs> My daughter has been my number one fan, and she has been the one that's made sure that I make no mistakes. If my shirt is, if she tells me I need to button up my shirt, I need to button up my shirt. She's just like, she is on me. But she she has to be in that group because she is my, she is my number one. She come watch you a lot? Um, when she could, you know, she went to Hampton. So it, this all happened. Um, it couldn't have been better timing. I mean, my daughter had just graduated from high school and chose to go to Hampton University in Virginia. So when I got hired on the men's side, I, I, I just knew I was about to go through empty nest syndrome. My daughter's gone. What am I going to do? But then I get hired and I'm like, oh my God. So it just, it worked, it worked out. It, it just kind of worked out. So she came to, um, she came to my game at USC, um, which was, which was really good. Cause I had a lot of family there and, it was just, just, yeah, she was, she was, she's, she was extremely happy to see me referee, but yeah, she, she came, she came to a few games, she came to Oregon, she came to a few games with me, she did, but she couldn't come to many because she, she was a cheerleader at uh, Hampton, okay. so um, she had her own thing going on. Very nice, very nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I love most about officiating is everything you're able to learn from it and then go apply in real life. I find many parallels. Um, what would you say some of your biggest takeaways from the 18 years you've spent as a referee? Um, you know, I just think that, that we are officiating is officiating is, is great. Um, but I think at the same time, how can I put it? There's all one, there's always somebody watching you, no matter where, where you are on the floor, no matter what gym you're in no matter where you are, there's always somebody watching you. So morally, ethically, just stay 100%. You know what I mean? Because it, 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 <laughs> there's always someone watching you. Um, Self-accountability. Um, self, you have to be accountable, um, even in, in real life. You have to be accountable, not only on the floor, but off the floor. Professionalism is, is key. You have to be professional. Um, what else? Control what you can control. A lot of time, a lot of times, um, as officials, you know, we, we tend to want certain things at certain times, but it's not up to us. Um, so I just think that, you know, my Kevin Cutler is always, he's always been one to tell me control what you can control and not worry about anything else that you can't control. And that's in real life as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so those are the things, those are the, the takeaways as far as, there being ups and downs, um, my journey there with my journey, there's been, <laughs> there's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Mm -hmm. And through that, I think it all prepared me for where I am right now. Love it. I just, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to speak about anything else that you might be passionate about. What else did you want to share with us today? 
you know what? Um, I, I can't pretend that it's not here because um, COVID has affected a lot of us. Um, COVID has had an effect on us economically, um, physically, and mentally. So I would just say that, you know, if you are someone, if you're an official or some anybody that is struggling or, or needs help, reach out. Um, they, they, we, we are here because COVID has, has I mean, I, I, COVID has, has been really bad. Um, and I just want people to understand that, that officiate, as an officiating, we are a family. So if there's something going on, just reach out um, because we're here. And as officials, we need to reach out to people um, right about now because we are in unprecedented times. So I would just say, just, just please, just let's help each other. Let's help each other and vote, please. That's the one great thing about, um, you know, the community and fraternity and sorority of officials. It's like a brotherhood and a sisterhood. So just as Crystal said, if anybody need, you know, needs anything, feel free to reach out. Crown Rep. Officials think that, you know, getting to that next level or I'd like to stress a little bit more on the hardships and the things that I've, just a few things that I've had to encounter sure. um, prior to um, being selected to work men's basketball. Um, because I think any, any, any woman um, thinking about officiating period, not just men or women, um, we, our, our situations, we, we have a little bit more added things to, especially if you have kids. Um, I was, I, yeah, um, especially if you have kids and trying to pursue a career and trying to pursue officiating. Um, because I know for me, looking back at the journey, um, I didn't enjoy the ride, <laughs> you know what I mean? On the way, I, they want you to enjoy the ride, but you know, it, it, it was hard for me. Um, it was, it was hard. It was very hard. Um, being a single parent, um, going through a very bitter divorce, um, and just, you know, child custody. I, I even got laid off from work from, you know, being a law enforcement officer, I got laid off, you know, and it's, it's being laid off and now all I have is basketball. So you have to make adjustments, you know, and being a single parent, <laughs> there's that single parent thing again. Um, and, you know, being laid off and from there being relocated, you know, okay, yes, we'll hire you back, but now being relocated. So now I'm forced to leave Southern California and all while, this is all while I'm still trying to pursue a career in officiating at the division one level, I'm still officiating um, women's basketball. And it was hard. It was the, the focus was, was terribly hard. Um, um, getting fired. We, I mean, I, I, I've gotten fired twice. <laughs> you know, I got fired from the WCC, which we didn't discuss. I got fired from the WCC and I got fired from the D-League. Um, and it, it, that took a lot out of me. I'm not even going to lie. I was very, at the time, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I'm, I'm just not there. You know, I'm, I'm, I think I was more focused on my, my career as opposed, and my daughter as opposed to basketball, and I had to take a step back and say, okay, I got to be accountable. I can't get mad at them for firing me. I, I, right. I have to take accountability to say, you know what, what is it that I did? What I need to get better in. Mm -hmm. And so, and I did that. It took me a minute. Not, it took me a minute to get past that. But once I did, I think that drive is what propelled me to be ready 
for working men's college basketball and now be able to enjoy my journey, you know, but it didn't come easy as a single parent trying to focus on taking care of your child. It didn't come easy. So I just want everyone to understand that, you know, officiating has its highs and lows, um, but you have to stay positive. You have to stay positive and you have to uh, have some self-accountability. Sounds like you learned, learned a lot from, you know, maybe the down, the downturns in your career. And I, want oh, absolutely. To, I just want to give you a lot of credit for your transparency. The fact that you've mentioned about getting laid off. The fact that you've mentioned about being fired. Nobody's came up and, and talked about them getting fired from a roster so far on the podcast. And this just shows the strength. Really? Of yeah, but this shows your strength. This is a strength to admit that. And like you said, accountability to own that, you put it in your pocket and you're using it as ammunition now. Absolutely. And, and again, it, I didn't feel that way when it happened. And, we, and it, it happens to a lot of us. But, you know, at the end of the day, you are only responsible. You're responsible for you. Um, in my case, I'm responsible for me and my daughter, Taylor. So I had to, there were some things I needed to do and I, I felt like I did it. I kept striving. I kept going. I kept working hard and it just all paid off for me. It, it did. So I am very blessed and excited and happy and all kind of other <laughs> words I can use. But yeah, I, I just want everybody to understand that it, it did not come easy. So Anything worth having is not going to come easy. Of course, of course. It seems like, uh, and I know I don't know you that well, but just the time, you know, interacting online and then speaking with you now, you just seem like, just seem like a really genuine personality. And and like I said before, I'm really really happy for for you and and your accomplishments in your career. I, I say that genuinely. Thank you, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity um, of you allowing me to be a part of Crown Reps because you guys are awesome. I'm just great, happy, great happy material. Talk, talk with us. I'm happy you picked up the phone. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't talk much, <laughs> but I just, you know, I thought it was a great opportunity, but yes, thank you. Yeah. Is there anything you want to uh, leave the audience of officials that are listening with before we go? You know what? I just say, you know what? We're, we're going to have a season and uh, be safe. Whatever you do, just be safe and enjoy it. Enjoy it. Crystal, thank you so much. I look forward to speaking with you again and, and best of luck to you and your family. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. Serve the game. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.